Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death. I'm the aforementioned girlfriend, Cindy. With me, as always, is Josh. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Shalom. Shalom. A student said that to me the other day. Uh, I feel like before we get into talking about this movie... What do we need to talk about? we almost did Maximum Overdrive in this slot. Why didn't we? Uh, it would have been super fun, and we may do it one day down the road, but as I was prepping an episode to celebrate Stephen King in this month of Stephen King, I just kept coming across all these quotes about how much he fucking hates it, and I was like, I can't do that to Stephen King on his month that we're like... He's awesome, and we love everything he does, and he's like, don't watch this movie. And he's just, I hate Max <laughs> He's movie like, drag. it's fucking the worst thing ever. All right, so what are we watching? So, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Misery. We're doing Misery. Misery. Now, I know enough about Misery that, like, this is kind of, um, well, there was another movie that it kind of fell into. Like, I get all the references to things like oh okay i get that like i know the famous scene i know enough about it for pop culture but that's about it i, I never think, saw the movie i think a lot of people believed this movie and dolores claiborne together because they're both stephen king stories i've definitely both seen have kathy bates i have definitely seen uh dolores claiborne you know i did a women in lit class or, or yeah and we saw it for that or he read it and then watched it so, I'm going to say Dolores Claiborne. Misery was released November 30th of 1990. All right, 1990. I was 10. I was 8. Which is the age of my uh, youngest now. That's uh, crazy. Yep, imagine. Just imagine. Ugh. That's crazy. <laughs> That's okay, cool. sorry. Uh, so, 1990, in case you, listener, 10, listeners, 10. people youngsters are driving in your cars right now and you're like what the fuck 1990 was forever ago what was even going on in 1990 tell me i got you i got you so the first internet companies began selling access to the internet in 1990 uh the u.s invades panama and manuel noriega is deposed nelson mandela is released from prison yay (laughs) the berlin wall falls and Germany reunifies. Mikhail Gorbachev becomes the first executive president of the Soviet Union. And I believe... We all called him the, the guy with the bird current president... Found his first wife? Vladimir Putin oh. is honestly the second or third. <laughs> yes. I don't... Not a lot of turnover in that position. He's the... Yeah. <laughs> trying to think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, Vlad made that shit a lifetime appointment. <laughs> sure did. He sure did. What else was going on <laughs> he that year? He was our president. Actually, by the time this comes out... <laughs> We're mean, recording early. Yeah. There'll be a new president when this drops. Possibly, hopefully. God help us. I'm uh, putting it out there. There will the be. The Hubble Space Telescope is launched into space. Cool. Are you ready for this? Because yes. this made me almost physically cry at work when I found this out. The World Health Organization WHO removes homosexuality from its list of diseases. When I was ten. Yay. God. That's insane. <laughs> Iraq invades Kuwait, setting off 
Let's start this desert shield, if you recall, as we were going to go in there and protect them. I had trading cards of missiles. We've talked about how fucked up that. I remember watching CNN of like bombs dropping and yeah, yeah. This country's fucked up. (laughs) All right, keep going, bud. What else we got? (laughs) Uh, That's it. So the people that were born that year are Liam Hemsworth, The Weekend. I like The Weekend. I know, that's why I included him. Margot Robbie. I like Margot Robbie. That's why I included her. She <laughs> played Tanya Harding in one of the best biopics I've it. ever fucking I watched. <laughs> okay. Uh, people that died that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Henson. Oh my god. That When people ask about, like, oh, what celebrity death affected you the most? That's it. Jim Henson affected me the most. More than any other celebrity Period. His death hit me absolutely. Like, it was bad. Hmm. I don't know. No, I know. I mean, I was I was raised by a TV kid, right? Fraggles, Muppet Babies, the Fraggle cartoon show, just the regular old Muppets. Like, we're a yeah. Muppet family. You definitely had more of a Jim Henson connection than I did. Oh, yeah. Um, that was hard. But, yeah, that that's a bummer. And then 1990 was a terrible year for um, Hollywood power lesbians. Because that's the year that we lost Barbara Stanwyck and Greta Garbo. Uh, it was once penis. said that all of the best and most talented and brightest young starlets went through Barbara Stanwyck's legs at one point. Good God. Barbara Stanwyck Good honor. was a fucking G. Good Greta honor. Garbo was incredible too, but goddamn Barbara Stanwyck was like... When I when someone says, close your eyes, close your picture eyes. a fucking just... Badass, glorious Bad-assed. power lesbian. <laughs> in my head, it's glorious Barbara Stanwyck. I just can't help it. That's who I picture in my head. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the word of nineteen ninety was bush lips. From bush lips. Read my lips. Okay. No taxes. I thought it was a racist thing. No. Yeah, it's Australian lips. It's Australian people's lips. <laughs> uh, the definition was essentially it equates to bullshit. Yep. Right. That's and, why he was uh, he's a one termer. Yeah, fuck okay, there's a Jimmy Carter. Alright. Enough about nineteen ninety. Tell me what to look misery. for. Tell me what's going on. Who am I gonna enjoy in this movie? Everything about this movie. This movie is fucking stacked. I know that it has uh, old Jimmy Khan. This movie is one hour and forty seven minutes long. It is rated R. It is directed by Rob Reiner. Oh, I like Rob Reiner. Do you know him from This is Spinal Tap? He from was a Princess Bride. From being Penny Marshall's first husband. All in the family. It is written by William Goldman, who wrote The Princess Bride and Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. When I say he wrote The Princess Bride, he wrote the book and the screenplay. Correct. He did both. <laughs> uh, in the time of COVID, uh, you can buy, I think there's, um, it's like five or ten bucks, and you can all the original cast, they did a big Zoom Except call. Except for Fred Savage. And Red. Why not Fred Savage? I think he's like low-key a trumper. <gasps> but he was the only one that refused. Everyone else did it, except for him. That's not true, but I can see how that probably is, honestly. So, uh, the other cast that were, were dead. He was the only living cast member that refused to participate. So this movie stars, like you said, James Conn. Jimmy yep. Conn. Jimmy Conn. Uh, he plays Paul Sheldon. He's in The Godfather. 
He's in Rollerball, which Rollerball <laughs> is fucking awesome. I know of Rollerball. Uh, it's so ridiculous. You would actually really like Rollerball. It's just a movie where, like, grown-ass men fist fight on roller skates. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> I think uh, it must have been How Did This Get Made. Uh, and Thief, which I think is his best movie. This movie's awesome. You think his best movie? Over Godfather, even? Oh, fuck yeah. I love Thief. I'm not saying, like... Is Thief better than the... I'm saying him in the movie. Okay. Thief is like the best role he's ever had, I think. Gotcha. Uh, so Also, Kathy Bates is Annie Wilkes. She's in Dolores Claiborne. She's in Titanic. And motherfuckers, crack that beer, get ready for a drink. She's in Fried Green Tomatoes. Ding! Face it, girls. I'm older and I have more insurance. That's right. You know the quote that was from? The book Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. That's two drinks, motherfucker. <laughs> If you listen to last week's podcast, you know, start drinking them drinks, son. <laughs> Fried green tomatoes, that's three drinks. Uh, <laughs> Callback. Uh, Richard Farnsworth in this movie. Richard yeah. Farnsworth plays Buster. He was a stuntman forever. Who? And he's in The Straight Story, which is like the weirdest David Lynch movie ever. Because it's the most normal Wait, David what? Lynch movie ever. Oh. So David Lynch directed, and this is always blows like casual David Lynch fan fans' minds that don't know this. David Lynch directed a G-rated Disney movie that was live action. Named. Called The Straight Story, where Richard Farnsworth drives a tractor. It's based on a true story. Drives a tractor across a state and a half or some shit like that to visit his dying brother. It is G, and it's David Lynch, and it still has David Lynch moments in it, but, but it's, it's like for kids. kids. <laughs> it's like super G-rated. It's really fucking weird, and it's a good movie. But it stars Richard Farnsworth. Staring into David Lynch's eyes as we record this. (laughs) Yeah, he's also in The Natural, which is a super dope-ass baseball movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, Frances Sternhagen is in this movie, even though her character she plays, uh, Virginia is not in the book at all. You know her from The Mist? She was the old lady who was the teacher in The Mist? She's in this movie. She's also in uh, Raising Cain, which... Uh, Brenda Palma and the movie Outland which is fucking that movie is insane I don't think that you ever seen the movie High Noon which I doubt you have no okay there's a movie called High Noon which is this insanely good cowboy movie cowboy movie how did I guess where um, the sheriff of the town knows that there's this bad guy coming into town that he sent to jail and he's gonna like stop him and his gang from like wrecking things and he goes around trying to get the townspeople to help him, but no one will. They're like, no, no. And he's like, I guess I'll do it on my own. Now, imagine the plot of that movie. Right. But set on, like, fucking... Mars. I think it's Mars or, like, Jupiter oh, or something. Oh, silly. And it's Sean Connery with, like, a shotgun. <laughs> with, like, a... And what's it called? Outland. <laughs> okay. I remember watching it on VHS as kid. It's fucking weird and i love it yeah it sounds a little <laughs> weird hon uh and when we talked about hollywood royalty earlier with the passing of barbara stanwick and greta garbo this movie also has lauren bacall as Marsha. fabulous from the big sleep and those tuesday Murder morning commercials the express and from marrying humphrey bogart when she was but barely an adult and he was an old man yep boogie and bacall uh, so, a little bit of trivia before we get into the, this movie. So, Stephen King 
was super reluctant. He had hit a period where there had been a lot of his move, his books made into movies, and he was like, most of these are not good. Yeah. <laughs> he had reached right. that spot where he was making mm. books just to make books, not because he had anything important yeah, to say. Yeah, he was like, mm. And then this movie holds a very special place in his heart, and we'll talk about that after the fact. So he did not want to sell this movie to a studio to be made into a movie. He was like, nah, you guys can make, like, fucking Cycle of the Werewolf and Silver Bullet. Like, it's whatever. But this movie is special. This book is special. I'm not going to let you fuck it up. Okay. And then he watched Stand By Me. And was like, this okay. Movie, they can do it. They do a good job. I will sell this script to the studio on the condition that it is either directed or produced by Rob Reiner. Okay. Because he did not So fuck that's up how Rob Reiner Stand got involved. Me. As a matter of fact, like Stand By Me. Oh, it's still a classic. Is one of his favorites, if not his favorite adaptation of his own work. He's like, it's better than the book or the story. Like, he yeah. loves it. So cool. that was, Rob Reiner was a shoe-in to either produce or direct. Because, like, Stephen King was like, this will only happen if you give this to Rob Reiner. And he was correct. And it worked like Eggbusters. It worked so well that Kathy Bates became the first woman in the history of the Oscars to win Best Actress for a horror or thriller film. I remember that. And... It started a really nice two-year trend because the following year, Jodie Foster won for, for Silence of the, of the Lambs, Lambs, which Anthony Hopkins also won for. Remember in the 90s for a hot second when we were like, hey, horror and thriller movies are really good. We should reward them for being good movies. It's well, well, we did that. Wasn't this year's, past year's, wasn't that a horror movie? No. Was it a thriller? I mean, they gave, the closest we had was, like, the year that they gave Shape of Water Best Picture, and then they gave Guillermo del Toro Best Director, and then Jordan Peele. I was going to say Jordan Peele. Screenplay. Oh. But, I don't know, like, I, I I watch a lot of horror movies, spoiler alert, for my life, and some of the best performances are in scary movies. Like, I fucking double dog dare you to find a better performance God, in Josh. the past few years than Lupita Nyong'o and us. Agreed. And Agreed. yeah, that movie got, she got no attention for that other than people being like, she's fucking good in that. She didn't get any awards because this is a scary movie and that's bullshit. And you know what? Good for Kathy Bates. Fair. Uh, okay, so as far as like what this movie's about, I know this is a very popular movie. I mean, it's it's iconic, right? I know that it's about a writer, an author, I mean, who is kidnapped by a crazed fan and forced to write. You know, she forces him to write the ending for the book that the series that she wants. Right? I don't know. I know I'm right. Stop. (laughs) So it's misery. Yeah, it's a cabin out in the middle of nowhere. Um, Yeah, that's what it's about. I just said, I know. All right. It's so weird when you that. know what... Like, I don't think we've ever done one where you've known what the movie was without actually having seen it. But that's the... This movie was fucking huge back in the day. I swear. I think maybe it was like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was like, I know enough, but I don't know. Oh, no, the thing I is... Know. There was one. Let's Super fan, somebody tell me. With the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if I just said, hey, 
what is the plot of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? You'd be like, Leatherface probably kills some people. people get murdered by a dude with a chainsaw. And like, I would yeah. be right. <laughs> yeah, Side basically. Note, I was correct. Okay, so where can we get this movie? Uh, it's probably everywhere. I would assume we're probably going to just rent it. Okay. Because I have an old DVD somewhere, but I don't have a Blu-ray. All right. But we're going to rent it. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. All right. Off we go then. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way. Yeah. Fried green tomatoes. Mind Take the, a drink. Mind the doors. <laughs> fracture of the tibia in both legs and the fibula in the right leg is fractured too and as soon as the roads open i'll take you to a hospital in the meantime you've got a lot of recovering to do there is nothing to worry about you're gonna be just fine i'm your number one fan my name is annie wilkes i think one of my clients paul sheldon might be in some kind of trouble you mean paul sheldon the writer Everybody sure likes those misery books. They had it at the store, Paul. They said he checked out last Tuesday. Isn't that a little strange? I guess it was kind of a miracle you finding me. In a way, I was following you. You were following me? Oh, Paul, I've read everything of yours, but the misery novels. You must be a good man, or you could never have created such a wondrous, loving creature as Misery Chastain. Very kind. The presumption must now be that Paul Sheldon is dead. Dirty bird. How could you? Misery Chastain cannot be dead. Misery spirit is still alive. I don't want her spirit! I want her! And you murdered her! You don't think he's dead, do you? And don't even think about anybody coming for you, because I never called them. Nobody knows you're here. And you better hope nothing happens to me. Because if I die, you die. been out is this what you're looking for eventually you'll come to accept the idea of being here annie whatever you think i'm not doing please don't do it annie for god's shh darling trust me god's sake it's for the best god i love you Hey guys, welcome back from watching Misery. Now, the only real question I have after this is... Why Lucky Strikes? <laughs> no. Why would why would you name a character Misery? Isn't that awful? I think it's uh, part of the joke, the whole making fun of romance novels. I suppose. Because his whole thing is he wants to get away from writing this one romance novel character that his whole career has kind of become about. And that's Stephen King's kind of thing. It is too. very Stephen This movie is very Stephen King. <laughs> this movie is very Stephen King telling you what is going on inside himself. Um, 
A lot. So <laughs> this movie was... Uh, Where the subtext almost becomes the text. It was... The movie was hilarious on some levels. And it was so terrifying how true that could be on another. Does that make sense? It also mirrored real life because he did get hit by a car like 27 years after he wrote this book. That's true. But I mean, it wasn't a crazed fan. It was just... It wasn't a a drunk driver. No, I thought he was just junking and it was a random... Maybe. But... I remember correctly. I just remember like... You were really getting hit by a car and everyone was like, oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. It was very eerily similar. Here I go. I'm going to recap the plot. Okay. We're waiting. We just kind of did, but it's... I got, you know, a serial novelist. It's a line from a Billy Joel song. Sorry, I just realized I said that. Uh, A serial novelist wants to get out of that world, and so he... A serial novelist. Sorry, a serial novelist wants to get out of that world, and so he kills off his main character, and a crazed fan uh, abducts him after a car accident and uh, demands a rewrite. There. Yeah. Uh, IMDb has it listed as... As... After a famous author is rescued from a car crash by a fan of his novels, he comes to realize that the care he's receiving is only the beginning of a nightmare of captivity and abuse. So I think it's worth pointing out that not... Obviously, he's a novelist. Mm -hmm. And he writes these romantic kind of trashy historical fiction romance novels... But mm, Kathy kind of, Bates, the dime store novel yeah, type things. Kathy Bates is his make good quote, money. biggest fan, right? And she's also a nurse, <laughs> so she's the one that fishes him out of his car accident. She's the one that like sets his legs, mm-hmm. and she basically Ugh. sets about being like, "You're trapped here because it was a really bad snowstorm." There's some horrible imagery in this. And movie. she keeps him there forever months to the point months. where like it finally he gets the realization of like, oh. I'm a prisoner now. Mm-hmm. Like, it I, starts, their their relationship starts, like, very friendly. Like, oh, my God, you saved my life. Like, yes, you can read my new novel. You can do whatever. And Kathy Bates has these weird flashes of, like, sometimes she's the nicest person and on the planet. And then she snaps. And then she's, like, a goddamn monster. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes her character so interesting. <laughs> it makes her very, um, yeah, it, it's... It's very true to abuse. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it just oh, adds that layer of almost like, uh, what is it, the yellow wallpaper, like, <laughs> of gaslighting. Like, it's, I love, it, I really loved it. It was... I mean, if you take the, all the subplot of, like, the old sheriff and his well, yeah. adorable wife doing, like, the detective work of, like... She was trying to super find him horny. and thinking about whether he's like dead or he escaped or whatever. And then if you take the bookends off the end of the movie that deal with his manager, uh, yeah, and his like book agent. So the movie is literally just two people in a house. Yeah, the acting is phenomenal. I mean, it's a she very, won an Oscar for this. Didn't she, she did. Um, yep, yep. She totally won Best Actress. This is a very contained. Everything almost takes place in one location, with the exception of like a couple scenes here and there. And it's a beautiful 
not, I mean, yeah, like a beautiful old-timey New England little main house out in the middle of nowhere. It would totally make sense that the power lines are down, that the roads are bad. So for a while, he doesn't realize that he's trapped. And I, well, I also don't think he realizes how much time has passed. I'll be honest with you. I haven't seen this movie in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it really held up. I really liked it. I knew that, you know, the key scene... The, the ankle scene. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. And it was still... Uh, it was too much. <laughs> I was overwhelmed. Yeah, it's... Uh, the hobbling scene is Ugh. amazing. And, and it's kind of the money shot of this movie. And I, two things about it. I like the fact that when they watched it at the premiere... <laughs> and the audience freaked out. Apparently yeah. James Conn turned. Because he'd never seen it. Yeah. Because those obviously weren't his real legs. Thank, he, thank God. Thankfully, he turned to Rob Reiner. He was like, you're a sick fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but in the novel, she doesn't do that. She actually cuts his leg off. I think that what was done in the movie is worse. I don't um, know why. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, it was just I think image-wise, oh. just the instant, like, boom, and then the leg going sideways. Mm-hmm. That is awful. Right. But, I mean, let's be honest. Oh, as far as, like, if, in If real someone life, said, I'm yeah. going to break your leg or I'm going to saw it the fuck yeah, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm, I'm I mean, with, like, imagery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I think it's yeah. the sound and then the sudden, like, just crunch. Tilt it takes. Yeah. Good times. And, good, good times. And to be, like, the Foley artist for, like, how would that sound? I imagine you would just take a handful of celery stalks and just mm-hmm. break them I bet. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what you would do <laughs> gross but we talked at the beginning about how <laughs> this movie weirdly like Stephen King didn't want to talk about the subtext and talk about like the reason he wrote the book even though it's super clear it's like right there clear as day uh, <laughs> but he did finally break down and talk about it and I like when they do this because I mean a lot of movies, like we talk about David Lynch films, where they will probe and ask questions. They're like, what does this mean? And he's like, I don't know. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, you tell me. Stephen King has very on that? definitively no. given us uh, all the context for this movie and all of like what we need to know about this movie. So he said that after... Uh, basically, he didn't talk about this movie for two decades, or the book for two decades, uh, about the motivations for writing it and why... He ultimately wrote the book, but he did come out and say that it dealt with his battle with substance abuse. Okay. Uh, alcohol and cocaine. And that Annie Wilkes, the Kathy Bates character, is a representation of his drug dependency and what it did to his body. Right? Making him feel isolated and hobbling him and keeping him from escaping. And he was afraid oh. that if he had brought this up when the book and the film were like big and touring and people were asking about it that it would that conversation would potentially overshadow the work of the book and then the work of the filmmakers and actors in the movie and he didn't want to do that okay so he just he he waited it out okay yeah his whole thing was you know I don't want to go into a press junket, especially with the movie, and they're talking to me about, like, Kathy Bates and the movie and everything that, you know, the movie had got a great reception, and I don't want to go in there and then make the story me. Right. 
Because and, and right it's, now it's the story all, shouldn't be me. It should be it should the performance be. in the book and, he and the writing. loved the shit out of Kathy Bates, especially in this movie. Well, he puts her in Dolores Claiborne. Um, well, okay, he loved her so much in this movie that he wrote Dolores Claiborne with her in mind, like if they ever adapted it. It's a very fried yeah. green tomatoes uh, tale of a, of a woman who gets revenge sort of a thing. And then when he wrote the adaptation for The Stand in the 90s, right? Yes. They did the, I think it was CBS, did a TV, like a miniseries. There was a character in the book called Ray Flowers. Mm-hmm. And he found out that Kathy Bates was involved and he rewrote the character to be from R-A-Y to R-A-E Flowers. So made it, it female be, yeah. and then rewrote the character to fit Kathy Bates' strengths because he fucking loves Kathy Bates. That's a good friend to have. Like, it's pretty solid, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think... and I, Don't we have a different measurement for movies? We don't apply the Arkov method to Stephen King movies, do we? There's uh, never mean, going to be a lot of nudity unless it's like Gerald's game. I think there's a lot of Stephen King books especially the pulpier ones that fall, but this is like a two-hander. Like, I think you could try to apply it, but I don't think it would really be apt. I mean, if you talk about Sam Markoff and the whole exploitation formula based on his name, so... Right, which is what we're talking about. I mean, action, yes. Revolutionary, yes. Well, action, I mean, there's the car crash in the beginning... There's the fight at the end. And did you know that Kathy Bates, this is going to make you love her even more. Yes. Before she shot the scene where she broke his leg and before they shot the scene where they fight at the end Mm -hmm. and he kills her. Yeah. She cried both times. In real life? In real life. Because she was like, I really hate violence and I really don't want to do this. Oh. But I really love this story. She's this gentle hole. Yeah. She's like this. It's like this. Gentle hole. You know, your adorable mom, yeah, or grandmother, and she's like, I don't really don't want to hurt you or hurt well, you, but right. you know, that I, speaks you to her. Do it. That speaks to her talent, that doesn't it? Yeah. Um, oratory, yes. There's so much to be said. You know, there there are so many famous quotes from this movie. Uh, I, Fantasy, yes. Fornication, no. It's not a sexual thing at all in this. Thank God. Thank God. How awful would that have been? I mean, it's just not my cup of tea. It might be somebody else's. That's fine. I bet there's a ton of trivia for this movie, though, isn't there? Uh, there is. I wrote down a few things I kind of wanted to go over with you. What you got for me? So, Rob Reiner spent a lot of time before making this movie studying the films of Alfred Hitchcock. Things like Rear Window. Okay. Things that were set in, like, one location. For different angles and ways to shoot it. So it's really important to be able to display the geography of a place if you're going to spend the entire movie there. Right? Mm -hmm. It has to feel both real, lived in, and the viewer has to have a sense of how the house is laid out so things make sense. Okay. And you can fuck that up. You can really fuck that up. Oh, yeah. I definitely was paying attention when... uh, he gets out the first time. I was definitely paying attention for like, okay, you know, if, if it would match up to how it looks on the outside and to how, like, 
she comes and goes. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that was very interesting. Um, how many movies are like that? Is it is it just a, 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 something that Alfred Hitchcock is known for doing? I mean, Alfred Hitchcock had a really good sense for uh, like set geography, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of filmmakers that do it. It's be- and here's the thing, it's like good editing. If you're good at it, you don't notice it. If you're bad at it, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Gotcha. The idea of like, if you ever seen a movie and they lay out the house or they lay out the, the place where the scene's taking place and you know, well, a minute ago it took him 15 minutes to get from here to there. Now this character made it from there back to here in like two yes. minutes. Mm-hmm. Something in your brain goes, uh... Yeah. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, I watched The Invisible Man that, that came out this year, this morning with my mom. Oh, cool. And there was a scene where my mom was like, there's no way he would beat her to that house. There's no way. Like, yeah. she was right behind him. And so... It takes you a, right out of the movie. That That's a thing where you're like, okay, I kind of call bullshit on this. Yeah. And it takes you right out of the movie. Which there was a reason and for it. that. I'm not going to say that that, that that movie was bad at geography, but... When you perceive it and you notice it, you notice it. Gotcha. And it's a problem. Give um, me trivia. Give me more. So Annie Wilkes, the Kathy Bates character, uh, according to Stephen King, is one of, if not his favorite character to write. He said that that's because of her unexpected depth and sympathy as a character. Like, he originally wrote her to just be awful. Mm-hmm. Like, she was the stand in for all of his worst fans and even when he was trying to make just like a cardboard cutout bad guy right abuser she still like he kept finding like depth and nuance and reasons and he really yeah he really liked writing her as a character and he really loved what um Kathy Kathy Bates Bates brought to it yeah so yeah, this book was turned into a Broadway play. <laughs> really? Uh, and it, and huh. the what? Okay. Yeah, the part of the writer was played by Bruce Willis. Ooh. And you know the Paul Sheldon character and the <laughs> the Annie Wilkes character was played by Laurie Metcalf from Roseanne. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. You know, there's a whole generation of kids who just know her as Sheldon's mom. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, that's so, so weird. Sorry. Uh, James Conn had to lay in bed for 15 weeks of shooting for this movie. He must have felt like bed sores after a bit. And if you've ever seen James Conn in literally any other movie, he's an actor who... He's a big guy. ...is physical. Mm-hmm. He likes to move. He likes to yell and be expressive and jump around. Mm-hmm. And so tying him down to a bed for 15 weeks... Was, according to him, torture. <laughs> well, and again, though, it speaks to his, uh, <laughs> his craft, doesn't it? Um, so Kathy Bates did create a backstory for Annie that she went over with Rob Reiner, and he approved, and I believe Stephen King approved as well. So she, because she wanted something to justify why she is the way she is. Why is she so, like, oh, We get a glimpse of that in the scrapbook, right? Or is that in the book as well? So... <clears throat> her, the backstory of her being the nurse and murdering those kids, mm-hmm. those babies, that's, that's in a, the book. But she was like, why would I do that? Okay. 
So her backstory, which is Reiner and apparently King approved is, she said that she was molested by her father. And she felt this would help explain <clears throat> the killing of the infants and her fragile emotional state that would go back and forth. And she would kind of be stuck in like this little that's, teenage, like, oh gosh. That's why, yeah, she's like, she goes from rage monster to child. Yeah. And like, okay. golly, like, I'll go get and the tapers, you son of a bitch, making me get you special fucking paper. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that was all a Kathy Bates invention that cool. apparently they were a fan of. <clears throat> now, well, not cool, but yeah, you get it. Let's talk for a second. Just a brief second. About the people that were almost in this movie. Okay. Because it is insane. Is it a long list? So these weren't like second choice people. These were laid uh, out. So the other people that were considered for Annie Wilkes were Jessica Lang. And Barbara Streisand. Oh. And apparently it came down to Kathy Bates and Angelica Houston. And Angelica Houston couldn't do it because of a prior commitment. So that's why it kind of saved them from having to choose between the two. So okay. it just very easily could have been and Angelica, Angelica Houston. Houston. Like, I can't see her. Witches era Angelica Houston. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Now, when we get into the Paul Sheldon character... It gets a little crazier. How many people? I didn't write them all down because there were a lot. Okay. That tested and were either offered or rumored to be offered. It was a whole thing. But I do know that Jack Nicholson turned it down. Okay. Because he was like, I've already done Stephen King and I kind of want to leave it with what I did. Okay. That's fair. I mean, The Shining. Yeah. He's Jack Nicholson. Spoiler alert, we'll be doing it later this month. Um, Rude. And then that would have led to a couple choices that I honestly, no disrespect. You can't see or you think would have been better. Potentially better. I want you to imagine. I'm thinking. Warren Beatty. Yeah, that would have been good. Like, Warren Beatty as Paul Sheldon would have been lights out. I think he would have got, he would have been very, um, he could have pulled off that charismatic uh, romance author. Does that make sense? Like, there's a certain vibe to romance authors that, you know, James Conn didn't have, which is whatever, it's fine. But I think, yeah, he would have had that for sure. I mean, there's a charm to Warren Beatty that Mm -hmm. is, I don't want to say not there. James Conn's just not Con, known but James for... James different. Right. He's a little meatier. He's a little rougher. I agree. Uh, <clears throat> how about Michael Douglas? Huh. Do you think that would have been better? I don't know if that would have... I'm definitely on board with Warren Beatty. I don't <laughs> know about Michael Douglas. I mean, Michael Douglas would get the, uh, the same thing as Warren Beatty, you know, the romance author sort of vibe. But he was so big at that time. He was in freaking everything. Yep. Uh, he would just washed it out. The other names are Robert De Niro. Uh, Gene Hackman. Okay. Dustin Hoffman. Okay. And here's where uh, Al Pacino. 
And I'm going to throw out two more that are really mm. interesting that I also think may have been better, potentially. Okay. Here we go. Uh, no disrespect to James Caan, but William Hurt. Hmm. I. How old would he have been, though? He would have been younger. He would okay. Been, he would have been, like, in his 30s or 40s. 30s? Yeah. It would have been, like, big chill era. Okay. John Hurt. Yeah. And That lines up. I will forever go to bat for thinking that John Hurt is a fucking incredible actor. And I don't... I know he's like... People are like, he's a goddamn nightmare to work with. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, he's very... Yeah. But, man, I really enjoy him. Okay. And... And? Kevin Klein. Yeah. I got... I always see him as a comedic actor. Kevin, Kevin Klein, I think, would have made you more solidly in Paul Sheldon's boots. Like, from the get-go. You'd have been like... Yeah, he's a more everyman Oh my character, god, right? I want to climb in that car and save you. Like, right. You're adorable. And I love you <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the, other, the other person that apparently they talked to and didn't do it was Bruce Willis, who did the stage play. So that's interesting. Very interesting. You know, they get Bruce Willis at the height of his career. Nineteen ninety would have been like, oh yeah, I'm Will- Bruce Willis. It's Planet Hollywood, Bruce Willis. He's like, nah, nah, I'm too busy doing like Die Hard sequels. And then years later, he's like, yeah, I fucked up by not taking that movie. <laughs> Sorry. I will definitely do the Broadway play. <clears throat> Did you like this movie? I liked it. I think this is a movie I would watch again. Yeah. It, the performances are really good. The scenery is very, you know, very beautiful. Um, it's a good story. I don't think. I mean, I would. I would. I don't think I'd watch this with my kids. Maybe, you know, when they're older, like this actually might be like a fun, you know, movie with older teenagers. Watch this with Jason Jones, whose mom. Loved I know, and he watched when he was younger. A lot. So shout we, out to Jason and his mom in heaven. What are we watching next week? Um, we're going to do Pet Cemetery. I've never seen it. With an S. I know that's why we're watching it. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that I, too, really like this movie. But I don't think it has as much rewatchability for me as like times the have you watched it, Dead though? Zone has. Oh, okay. Well, you compare it to that. that you did say that's kind of your unsung you know favorite I just I don't remember like that for the end of the month Misery is one of those movies where I think it's a really good movie but I don't think it's something you just, you just watch over like, and over again just bust again. out Misery and watch it <laughs> it's it's uh, no thank you yeah I um, I just want to give a special shout out real to? fast to the best character in the whole goddamn movie who is which is a toss up between Richard Farnsworth, who plays the sheriff. Right. I did like and him. And Frances Sternhagen, who plays his wife. She was so horny. I told the you. two best characters in this movie. She's so. all uh, rubbing up on his thigh and... Get home! I mean, lights out. Kathy Bates gives the best performance. She totally deserved that Oscar. But they Kathy were Kathy Bates, you're incredible. But Richard Farnsworth and uh, Frances Sternhagen, I just want to hang out with her character. <laughs> I just want to like when he's laying in bed reading those romance novels I'm like he's like writing notes god damn adorable yes so alright next week Pet Cemetery. yep join us here for Pet Cemetery. Yay. the original the original from the 80s y'all we're not 
We're not going to do the remake. I didn't know there was I a know remake. the remake has its detractors and its fans, and I'm not going to... Well, we may get into that next week, but we're <laughs> okay. doing the original Pet Cemetery next the week. The original Pet Cemetery. In case you want to like track it down and, and watch it for the show. All right. Well, until then. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. <laughs>